From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my illustrious co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? (laughs) We're like, we're recovering today, it sounds like. Like, you've had it rough after Whole30. Uh, No, I just didn't listen. And I (laughs) ate some things that wasn't recommended right after coming off of not eating bad food, processed food for a month. And so my tummy is letting me know how it feels about that. It's hard because like if I did a Whole30, I'd be like, it's time to party. But it was time to party. Unfortunately, Bree's body had something to say about that party. (laughs) It just it just reminds you of age too. Like I just I remember back when I was younger, like not even that long ago, like a few years ago, I could go out and like have a couple of drinks, have a nice, you know, meal, whatever, and be perfectly fine. Now I eat a few tortilla chips and a margarita and I'm like, oh my God, my stomach. <laughs> I like to think like, I know some people would say, oh, it just means we're getting old. But I think it also means that our bodies are getting wiser as to like what maybe, like this is how I like to look at it, what maybe we shouldn't put in our body and they tell us more. Like I see this in sugar. Like I used to eat tons of sugar when I was younger and now I'm like, Oh, a little bit's great, but I can't eat too much else I get a stomachache. Yeah. I don't feel like my body is really that thoughtful on health. I think it's old. I think it's just like, dude, oh, no. I can't process this anymore. I can't process it. <laughs> no, it's it's giving you signs. giving you signs. It's communicating, much like, like we're talking about today in the podcast. Yes. Oh, very nice lead in. I like that. I like it's that. It's communicating. It's communicating with its partner, me. Yeah. <laughs> Today, we have phenomenal guests on the podcast. It's uh, Talat and Ty McNeely. They are the hosts of His and Her Money, well, the podcast and also the company. Yes, they were so, so, so helpful. I loved it. Yeah, it's all about dealing with um, your partner and money and having those conversations. And what I love about this conversation is that they say like, usually, you know, money conversations are just relationship and communication issues. Right. And you know, it's interesting. I think all of us can reflect on having some disagreements over money in some way, shape or form, either in our current relationship and our past relationship. I was doing some research for the episode. And interestingly enough, like some of the stats I found were that money issues are high conflict topic in most marriages that in actually 41% of divorces, couples report money as being their number one problem and number one contributor to the divorce. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. It's so, almost half. 
Yep. Talat and Ty McNeely are the founders of His and Her Money, the His and Her Money show podcast, and author of the book Money Talks, the ultimate couple's guide to communicating about money. They help individuals and couples get on the same page financially and create a life of freedom. They currently live in Chicago with their three children who are all under the age of 11. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Talat and Ty. Are you feeling so overwhelmed in your home right now and you just do not know how to start to delegate all the work that you do yourself to your family? You're going to want to get our happy parent checklist. Uh, You can get it at noguiltmom.com slash HPC or we have a link for you in the show notes. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome, Talit and Ty, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I'm so excited to have you here because, like, I met you guys in person a few years ago, and we were like involved in the like the same kind of business program. And now we get to have you here talking about money and marriage. So, welcome, welcome. Yes, we are excited to Thank be here. For Thank you for having us. us. So, for those of our listeners who don't know about you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? So, we run a platform called HisAndHerMoney.com. And that's where we teach pretty much just money and marriage, um, how to handle your finances within marriage, how to get on the same page within marriage. And we also have singles over there as well, too. Um, but because we are a married couple, we talk about some of our failures and accomplishments as a married couple. Yeah, we just kind of speak from our story. We uh, started our marriage off almost not getting married because of a financial situation. And then ultimately, we got through that to become completely debt free to include paying off our home mortgage in five years, over $330,000. And now we just go around telling people that all of this is possible for you too. Wow. That is a huge inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of relationships are really plagued with the money troubles. And I like how you guys talk about money and you say like, it's a breakdown really in communication and couples don't know how to communicate about money. So like, how do you approach money and finances as a couple? So in the beginning, we got it all wrong trial um, and error because I was the one that was better at the finances. I had no debt coming into the marriage, great credit score, talent brought in all the debt didn't have a not so good credit score. He thought that it was best that I handle the finances. And I thought it was a great idea. Hey, I love numbers. I love doing it. Let me go ahead and do it. But what we found was um, about three months into the marriage, uh, there was unspoken frustrations. I could see that talent was just kind of on edge. I felt a little on edge. He felt like it was a mother-son relationship. He knew how much money he made. And I'm telling him, this is all we have in the budget. I felt like taken for granted because here it is. I was putting in all the work. I mean, I was highlighting stuff. I had the notebooks. I was writing them the pretty pens. And I mean, I'm like, look at our plan. And he just was not having it. And so we realized, wait a minute, just because you're not so good at money doesn't mean that you don't have a say when it comes to the finances. And I too also wanted his participation. I wanted his help because I knew that if he had his finger on the numbers, then he would know the plan as well too. And so he would know why I was saying we couldn't do this or we could do that. And why we had this budget or or he couldn't spend this amount of money. So I wanted his participation. So 
that was something that we realized that we did it wrong in the beginning that we teach couples. It is important that both of you come together in the area of your finances and you both have a say. Does that mean that it's 50 50? No. Even to this very day, I'm still the one for the most part that will still input um, the numbers within the budget. But there's no numbers going into the budget without us first having a discussion about it. He also agreeing with the numbers and things like that and having a say. I love that. Yeah, I think it's important that that you operate as a team. Like Ty said, team doesn't always mean 50-50. You know, if one of you is stronger, it might be an 80-20 situation. But what it cannot be is a 100 to zero situation yes. because that's when the trouble starts. When somebody has no participation, even if they're saying, no, nah, you go ahead, handle it. That's still a recipe for disaster. Both voices need to be involved. Yeah. And it's like you said, it felt like a parent-child relationship when one person was in charge of the money. And I could totally see how that would happen. Like if I was in a similar situation, I was being told by my husband, like, oh, you could spend this and this. Like that inner rage comes out. You're like, what? Like, <laughs> I, like I'm an adult. Yeah. Especially like if you, like for me, like the frustration, like because I was not involved and I was just being handed a certain amount, I was comparing that what I was being handed to what I know my salary was. And I know I'm getting up, like you just said, I'm an adult. I'm getting up early and I'm driving in traffic and a, a da, 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 and all I could see was me. But again, when you have that type of relationship where it's 100 to zero, then you start to leave room for selfishness, right? Because all I was thinking about was me. All I was thinking about was I make this amount, but I'm only being handed this amount, not taking into account, hey, uh, smart guy, you're the one brought all the debt into the, <laughs> to the marriage. And she's over there trying to figure out a plan to get the debt out of your marriage. And that's why you only all, all you can see is why am I only being handled this? And so that's why it's important for both voices to be involved in the formulation of everything that you do financially. Even like I said, it doesn't have to be 50 50, but you have to have a voice. You have to have input in both parties going into this. I, I think that's really important because I could imagine a scenario, too, where there would be distrust as well. Right. Like. If I know I'm making this much money, why do you get to say and like, oh, where did you get that? Like, what did you buy this week? So that that would be a really hard one too. Yeah, yeah, no, and and, and for me, I was trying to. I didn't want the five year plan to get out of debt. I wanted the one year plan, and so I knew that there was a lot of sacrifices that needed to be made. But the thing about it was, I was also the one making the sacrifices. Whatever budget I gave him was the one that I was also living by myself, and it ended up paying off because we ended up becoming completely debt free, which was his debt um, at the time within our first year of marriage. So it was a lot of sacrifices, but the reward was great in the end. That's huge. That's huge. I know that a lot of marriages, when they do end in divorce, money issues are a really common problem and the money arguments and the money fights. Like, What advice would you give to couples right now who are having that argument about finances? I would say, first off, I think that they're not talking about it enough in a proactive way. They're probably talking about it at um, reactive. So maybe there was a charge at the bank account. Or maybe Amazon box at the door. Yeah. Or a, box that came <laughs> or a lot door. of Amazon boxes at the door. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the account went into the negative. It was like, you weren't doing all that online shopping. I don't think that they're doing a lot of proactive mm -hmm. communication. That's the important thing about winning at this thing in marriage and money is having the conversations, not when times are bad, but also when times are well. And so we like to teach couples to incorporate a in the beginning, a weekly financial meeting. And does that mean that you have to wait until that particular day to bring up a concern or cause? No, but it's a great habit to incorporate within the marriage to have a certain day of the week where you sit down and you talk about money issues, what went well that week, what didn't go well. Uh, you, you have the opportunity to put your input in. 
And then as you continue to grow that exercise, maybe you don't have to do it, do it weekly. Maybe it's just at least at the very least monthly, right? Um, but you need to be able to have proactive conversations around the money instead of reactive conversations. And money conversations are tough. So like set the scene, light a yes. candle, you know what I mean? Have something to eat. The kids you know, are fed, already kids in the bed. Are gone, distraction-free situation yes. because you're entering into what could potentially be a tense conversation. It doesn't have to be, but it might be when you're first starting this exercise and you're first starting to attempt to get on the same page financially, there may be some frustration. So kind of set the atmosphere up. So it has space for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, play a little jazz in the background if you have to, I mean, whatever you have to do to make the atmosphere conducive Mm -hmm. for this conversation that needs to be had. That's right. Okay. Like a date. Yeah, that's exactly. Yes. I'm all like, okay, I'm gonna put on the lavender yes. oil. Yes, money date. Pop a nice bottle of wine. Yes, put the candles on. Like seriously, legit. Set the set the atmosphere. It's a dream date. That's yes, what we call it. Why, why can't it be a date? I think that's actually like a good idea. I like think it's why, a great idea. Yeah. Why can't it be? Because then it makes it positive. We right? actually look forward to it. Believe it or not, it's almost something to put on the calendar and look forward to. Because we're excited to plan for our lives, for our future. That's really why a lot of people decide to get married. It's not just to have children, but it's also to build a life together, build a future together. And so to be able to have those conversations, I find them to be very exciting. Yeah. I mean, when you are dating, you all dreamed on your dates. You talked about what it would be like once you got married, once you had kids, where would you want to live? What are you trying to do in your careers? You all were dreaming about the future. You're Mm -hmm. doing that again, but you're doing it. Now that you're married, now that you have um, a yeah. family, now you, you shouldn't stop doing it. You should be doing it even more. I love that perspective. I think that is a wonderful way to look at it, that so many of us don't see that. We don't see that. Yeah. yeah so- we're stuck in the weeds. Yeah. We're stuck in the yeah. day-to-day a grind of everything that we just kind of forget that you're right. It's all about planning and looking forward to like, what's our next new cool thing we're going to do together. So like nitty gritty, like what kind of conversations like are you having proactively during those money dates? This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural non-toxic medical grade ingredients. So Bria, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks. And my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com 
www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. We're talking about everything from investing to business. We both do our, we both run our business full time. Uh, We talk about our children and money, um, also planning out their future. I mean, there's like no topic that's not turned giving. Um, We give a lot, especially to our church. So we talk about other giving opportunities that we want to do, just things like that. Anything that's around money, we have a discussion about it. You can start it if this is a fresh new exercise for you. First attempt to trying to do this. Start with a, making a goal or a dream. Mm-hmm. You sit down with a piece of paper, one piece of paper, one pen, one spouse is writing, one spouse is talking. So the question that you're both going to answer is what do we want our life to look like five I years from that. today? And be specific and dream big. Because like you just said, Bree, sometimes we get caught in the weeds of life. Yep. And the weeds of life can prevent you from dreaming and having big goals and aspirations because you're so focused on the here and now. Mm -hmm. So if you see your spouse being very limited in their dream, encourage them, nah, dream big. Like if you could have it any way that you wanted it five years from now, what would our life look like? Would you still work where you work? Would you be in the same career? Would we be in the same city? You know, are we having more kids? Do we want to get a bigger house? Do we want a vacation? Like dream big. It all involves money when you really think about Everything it. Everything I said involves Everything dollars. Involve, involves dollars. And the feedback that we get from couples who actually do this exercise, I had no idea that my husband had those ambitions. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that my wife wanted to do X, Y, Z. I had no idea. We've been married for X amount of years. I had no idea that she wanted to do this. And what we find is because a lot of couples are in the weeds, because we are in our day-to-day busyness with the kids, with the business, we with gave everything. gave up on a lot of dreams. Exactly. You don't really ask those deep conversations, those deep questions to your spouse to really see what do they want their lives to be like? You know, we're, we, we, were, we were all put together for a reason, you know, in our faith, you know, one is called to help, yep. help me, you know, help. We don't operate in this life solo, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It said that it's not good for men to be alone. And so sometimes we need that help on both ends Mm -hmm. because life has gotten to us in a certain way that we forgot about the things we dreamed about senior year in high school that we said we were going to take on the world and do. And so this will be a good time to bring those conversations out. And then you use those dreams that you both talked about. First spouse talked, second spouse wrote, and then you switched. 
Second spouse talked, first spouse wrote, and you look at those dreams and you use those dreams to backwards plan. Okay, that's where we want to be. Now let's look at where we're at so we can figure out how to get from where we're at to where we want to be. And then you start looking at the numbers. I love that. I like it because it makes money like enjoyable and fun because so much of money like today I feel is negative. It's really figuring out, okay, we we don't have enough money and we have to save. Crisis. It's crisis. Yeah, exactly. And that makes it more of a using money as a tool to fulfill your dreams. Yeah. Because when you're dealing with crisis, like you guys just said, you're reactive. Mm -hmm. You're not able to see the positives. You're just trying to figure out how to stop the hemorrhaging, stop the crisis. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a crisis right now, you use those dreams to fuel you, to pull you out. Yes. You may, you, your, your situation may be less than ideal financially right now, but when you have something to motivate yourself forward to, now you can make those tough decisions in the here and now because you know you're doing it for a certain reason. You're not just doing it to do it. You're doing it so you can get to that place that you have in your heart to get to. You know, I love that too, because if you think about it, we do that in so many other areas of our life, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you have a fitness goal, you have, again, like you have somebody that you're working towards and you have little goals that you give yourself to move along the way. We do it with our kids. Like when we're trying to motivate them to learn something new or to be able to do something, we give them little goals to look forward to. There's so many aspects of our life that we apply that idea of having the positive reinforcement to work towards. And yet when it comes to money, a lot of us are like, no, 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 it's all bad. It's all negative. I don't even want to think about it. There's a lot of shame I feel we associate with money. Yes. Especially if we feel like we've told ourselves in the past that we're bad with it. And nobody taught us about money. So it's easy for us to have a negative connotation. We have examples of marriage. We have examples of parenting. Probably somebody taught us how to cook. Nobody taught us about money. And so that ignorance brings shame. The fact that we don't know, we've, we've gone to college, we got these degrees, we excel in our occupation, we're a great parent. But when it comes to this money, I feel like a failure because nobody ever showed me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, you have a couple options. Either you stay there in that train of thought, then potentially pass that train of thought down to your kids, or you do something different. You get the understanding, you get the knowledge, you try things. And if it works, keep it. If it doesn't, try something else. But you're working towards becoming better. You don't have to stay ignorant when it comes to money. You don't have to stay financially illiterate, not in today's information age. There's so much information out there that we can take and apply to our lives and make things better. You have to go and educate yourself and find a better way. Yeah. And you know, you said something there that I would really love to hear a, a little tidbit more on. Like you talked about how it's our job to help educate our kids. So what's like one or two things that you guys have that you utilize towards your kids? Because you're saying we were talking before and your kids are 11, 9 and 7. So what are things that you're doing to help instill those money skills in your kids? So number one, we tell parents, don't be afraid to tell your children to allow them to come into your financial life. Like a lot of times as parents, we try to shield our our kids. We don't really want them to know the hard truths when it comes to our money. We don't want them to know if we're really struggling and having a difficult time. We want to continue to buy them the things that they ask for just so they can think everything's fine. But what you're doing is actually a disservice to your children because you're showing your kids, um, you're, you're actually teaching them to not literally handle their finances the proper way, right? And so we tell people all the time, sit down with your kids. We tell our children, our children know exactly if we're saving for a goal, especially in the, in the middle when we were paying off our mortgage, And we have a video on YouTube for those of you who may want to go check, go to our YouTube channel. You can actually see where we took our three babies into the bank to make our last mortgage payment. We did that for a reason. We wanted our children to see all the sacrifices that we made. We had to tell them no a lot of times, right? But we didn't just tell them no just for the sake of, we told them no because mommy and daddy, we're trying to do this 
for you, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to pay off this mortgage. And so they saw the sacrifices that we made. We brought them in on the journey. So therefore, when we were able to reward them, we took them into the bank with us, made that last mortgage payment. And what we did was we took them to the store for them to purchase anything that they wanted in the store. Because for our children at the time, they were probably oh, nine. Yeah, three or four years ago. Yeah, probably nine, six, and maybe four. They don't really understand what they really fully meant at that age, what it really means to have a paid off home. But we wanted them to be able to go into the store and buy anything that they wanted so they can remember the day that mommy and daddy no longer had debt bondage over our lives. Wow. And so that's what we tell people. Bring them in the journey with you. If you're on a debt payoff journey, bring them in the journey. Let them know what you're trying to do. Um, if you're having a difficult time now, of course, you want to be very sensitive what you tell your children because you don't want to put burdens on your children. So you don't need you don't have to tell them, hey, we're about to lose this house or I'm about to get kicked out. But it's OK to let them know. Mommy gets paid, daddy gets paid on this day of the month. And we'll see when the budget comes. After we put the budget together, we'll see if we can do X, Y, Z. Like let them see these positive habits when it comes to handling your finances the right way, because then you're teaching them for their future, how to handle their money. And I love that because it's like a problem solving scenario. It's not saying that everything is like wonderful all the time. It's saying that, Hey, we have these challenges and here is what we're doing to overcome these challenges. Well, Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Kids need to see that. Yes. They, they need to see that. They don't need to live in a fairy tale, uh, make believe world. That's not the real life. That's not the real world. Yeah, it sets them up for this thought process we were just talking yes. about with shame. Like, oh, my parents were able to yes. do it with no problems. Why yes. can't I? Well, and in there some families, it's taboo to talk about money. Like, I think no. growing up, my parents never talked about money with me. And like, you're not supposed to talk about how much you make. You're not supposed to talk about what no. you're spending on. Like, 
all taboo. <laughs> but you can teach principles. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can teach uh, habits when they get birthday money. You get to spend some, but you need to give some, you need to save some, right? right? That's a principle that you're teaching them. Like to avoid every dollar that I get, I get to spend. You don't want them to grow up with that mentality. So you may not give specific dollar amounts as far as salary, income, and expenses, but you do want to impart sound money principles to them. For us, even involving our kids in the stock market, we said, hey, if if you could own any company that you want, pick three companies that you would want to own, mm-hmm. what would they be? And they took their time. They, they took thought, their time. Yeah. I mean, wrote in their, their notebooks and everything, like took their time, did their research. I mean, even the seven-year-old. Yeah. And so yeah. now, you know, we what, we didn't teach them uh, technical analysis and and, right. and buy prices and sale price and, sh- and puts and, and, and options. What we did was we said, you can be a part owner of a company. Yeah, and so we bought those three stocks for each one of them, they and now their they're, they're part owners of these companies. They went to their, their ba- mind. They went to their bedrooms. They went to their toys section, and whatnot, and looked at some of their most favorite things that they love. And they're like, "Mommy, daddy, this is what I, I want to own part of this company. I want to own part of that company." So we're teaching them ownership, but from a child's point of view, it's about the principle. Yeah, I I like that. I'm I'm immediately thinking because we had this stock conversation with my son, but we didn't phrase it the way about your part owner in a company. And I want to revisit it because the stock he wants to buy is Roblox, like (laughs) because that's yes, that's what he likes. (laughs) Well, our son, our son was very similar. So he got all the games. So he bought Sony because it owns PlayStation. Right. He wanted uh, Nintendo, but it's not an American company. Right. And he got Microsoft because of Xbox. So he related it to video games that way. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not the worst investments, though. No, no, no. they're not. <laughs> no. And it's putting that personal connection with the stock market. Yes. Yep. Whereas when I was a kid, I'm like a oh, stock market. Like it's all those people in suits on Wall Street. Does it concern me? Yes. Same. <laughs> Same. No, yeah, like our one of our daughters is uh, super in the arts and crafts, yep. and so she wanted to own a piece Part of Michaels. Michaels. Yep. And so oh, we got oh. it. Yep. She loves going to Michaels, so now she walks into Michaels and she's like, "I own this. I mm-hmm. own part." And it's like, "You do. You mm-hmm. own this, baby." I love that. I love that. So you've given us so much great information. You talked about, you know, thinking of the future and being proactive and how you both have a say in it. What is like one piece of financial advice that you can leave leave us with? No matter where you're at right now, things can be better. Yes. It's not hopeless. Your situation is not without yes. hope. You need to know that there's so much information out here that could totally change your life. One year from now, you can be in a totally yeah. different space than you're at right now. Your situation is not hopeless. That's right. And for me, yeah. I would say every step that you uh, that you put into your financial journey into the right direction is not in vain. It may feel like it's in vain. It may feel like it's just paying off. But I'm here to tell you that it will pay off. Just keep putting the right habits in front of you and keep doing the right things. It'll eventually pay off. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and joining us. It's been wonderful. And I'm I'm going to have this stock conversation now with (laughs) my my kids. I hadn't even thought of that. I'm a little scared. I'll be honest. I'm a little (laughs) nervous. It's out of my comfort zone, but sure but it'll be a goal you'll yes. have great stories yeah well, thank you we'll talk to you soon thank you for thank having you guys us for having us thanks they were so much fun and so enlightening and like my huge takeaway from that conversation was about how both partners 
have a say in how the money's spent. It's not about who makes more gets the say about the money. It's both. Right. It's not like, okay, well, I get a 90% say because I'm bringing in more more money and you get a 10% say, which is where basically I just give you a heads up on how we're spending our money. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it that can cause a little bit of resentment. It rightly mm. so. Like I hear about relationships a lot where like mom stays home and like takes care of the kids and like dad works and automatically mom's time isn't valued as much as dad's because she doesn't bring in the money and she doesn't get a say in how the money is spent or like she's given a hard time about how much money is spent and it's just not on the same page. Right, right. The tricky part is like we talked about in the podcast, it's not always like a malice situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, one person taking over the bulk of the finances and the other person feeling like they have less of a say, the person who has the bulk of it isn't always doing it out of malice. But Mm -hmm. again, when they know what their goals are, Mm -hmm. and they're not articulating it to their partner, how are they supposed to be on the same page? How are they supposed to feel valued? Like you need to share those goals. We do that in everything else in life, talk about our goals that we're working towards together. Why would we not do it with finances? That's a really good point. Like having those goals and not communicating those goals with each other. And also, like, I think that Sometimes when you're in a job that you may not exactly enjoy and you're going to it every day and you're bringing home a paycheck and that communication's not happening, that you don't enjoy your job and you feel like an obligation to do it, and then you see your partner spending all the money. Right. I I would think that is really the cause for a lot of money explosions. I was just about to say that is a recipe for a huge explosion. So communication. Communication is key. Um, Hey, if you're enjoying the No Guilt Mom podcast, how about subscribing? You'll get new episodes downloaded to your favorite podcast player every Tuesday and Thursday. And if you have been enjoying what you like so far, we would love for you to rate and review us. We hope that you are well, we have earned your five stars, <laughs> but uh, rating and review really helps the podcast get out to more people. So we would greatly appreciate if you could take a few minutes and do that. And if you're like me and you like a little bit of help with doing that, we actually have a link in the show notes to a video tutorial on how to do that. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Got, got to make it easy for Brie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.